Father, once again we come before you with thanksgiving. The God of all creation is our Savior. And to know that as we rest in you, we think of those words that uh, come out of Romans for us that not only is there no condemnation, the starting of that chapter, but at the end of the chapter it says, and there's nothing that's going to separate us from you. We rest in that confidence. And as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would reinforce that for us, and that, that, that our walk with you and our strength in you, through your Holy Spirit opening our minds and our hearts to receive, and uh, that your word would just come alive to us this morning. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. This morning we had a scripture reading from First uh, John, uh, chapter or John, excuse me, chapter one. And I chose those uh, verses specifically because of verses 4 and 5 that are in the midst of that. You know, it's, it's just a powerful picture first off, that the reality that our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the way, you know, that is who it's talking about when it says the Word. And we can see that in verse 14 where it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And... and uh, uh, as a result, we have seen His glory. The glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so the Word was in the beginning. He was with God, and, and He was and He was God. And it says, you know, take verse 14, that He came and dwelt among us. When He comes into the world, He brings the light of God. The 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 and it says the light shines in the darkness. Verse five, uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's such a perfect song to sing. Nothing, nothing's going to overcome the light of God. And I think about the eternal context of the light of God where it says there will be no, basically the, the, the understanding is there will be no shadows. And I know that I've shared that many times with that picture of no matter how good you get your lighting in a room, you can always create a shadow somehow. You know? But there's no hint of, of, of darkness at all. No hint of sin at all. And uh, what an awesome picture that is for us to rest in. But the light has come into the world was the focus that I wanted to look at this morning because it has to do with us, the church. And you'll see where I go with that in just a minute. Uh, but this idea, first off, of just light versus darkness, it's an age-old battle. Uh, it's, uh, you, you look at mythology. You can look at uh, you know, fantasy, fairy tales. Uh, and you can look at religion of almost any kind. The idea is someplace in, in, in the, the framework is the idea that you have uh, good and evil, light and, and, and dark. And, and there's this battle going on. Even in Star Wars. Uh, and, you know, uh, I remember some people really trying to Christianize that movie. Uh, it's science fiction, folks. And it just, uh, but the idea was the force, you know. And the good side of the force and the bad side of the force, or the evil side of the force. This idea of light versus dark. Like I said, it's an old, it's an age-old battle, meaning going back right into 
seeing the, 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 the picture of it between Cain and Abel. And so uh, we have this picture, the light has come into the world and, and the, the, it can't, the world can't do anything, it can't overcome it, it can't destroy it, it can't come against it in that sense. And verses 19 uh, through 21 of chapter 3, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and behold, the love, uh, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who loves wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The world, says here, without Christ, has no desire to see the light of God, the light of Christ the light of His Word. It has no desire. In fact, it will say and do everything it can to discredit. And those of you who have been through uh, secular colleges and, and, and universities and even in high school uh, classes at times, you'll find that, that, that you, it's not uncommon to have a teacher who's very out front about that. Uh, I had a teacher uh, uh, in... Uh, junior college, uh, he was our world history, uh, Western civilization teacher. And I think Kathy had to have him too. And uh, it was one of those classes where uh, it was a required course and there's a lot of students, and so they had it in this one hall. It wasn't unusual to have 150 students in this auditorium uh, taking this class. So you only had a couple of tests and, a, and, 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 a, and no papers. It was great. Uh, and... But the, the thing that he started right off with is he got into the, the, the history of Western civilization and, and the, the, the life of Christ and Christianity and its influence. He pointed right out that, that Christianity was, was simply something that man had invented. If you are going to be offended by the fact that he's going to attack it and show how bad it has been for man and, and how it's caused so many problems over the, the centuries and affected Western civilization in such a negative way. And he just went on and on and on. He says, you might as well get up and walk out now. And he warned people, don't, don't go defending it because you're in for an argument. And, and inevitably, somebody would, would raise their hand and say, but, you know, trying to, to bring it in. And he would viciously tear people apart. So, you know, it's, it's one of these things that I, I, I saw, and of course I was not a Christian at the time, and even then I thought, you know, that's not necessary. You know, I could see at that point, yeah, Christianity in the name of God, there's a lot of bad things have been done in, in history. But that didn't mean that, you know, looking back now and understanding it from a Christian point of view, those people weren't being Christian. They weren't acting like Christians. They probably weren't even in a relationship with God. But anyway, this idea of, of, of Christianity is that the world doesn't want to look at it. It doesn't want to see it. Because what does it do? If you really take a look at the Word of God and you start to read it, it's going to expose you. It's what it's going to do. You're going to read it, and if it's true, you're going to say, if that's true, then I'm in trouble. It's what happened to me. I finally came to the conclusion, if this is all true, and I can't find any reason anymore to not believe in it, I tried. I really tried. And, and, and the end result was, it must be true. 
And I, I confessed, and, and, and at that point, that recognition of what sin is in your life is just overwhelming. This is a real battle in our world. There is the kingdom of darkness, if you will, and the kingdom of light. So keep this in mind as we're, as we're going into this. Everyone is in one or the other. Okay, people will say, well, there's all these other different religions out here. On, you're, you're, so you're saying, Bob, that if, if you're, you're either in the light, Jesus Christ, or it doesn't matter what religion, what group, where you are, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you're saying they're in the dark. That's exactly what I'm saying. There is only one source of light. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. He was, he, you know, he, he uh, was, he's eternal. All things were created through Him. And He has brought the light into the world. And He has revealed God the Father through Himself. He is the light of the world. Keep that now in, as a, that picture. There is only one light. Now, to have kingdoms, you need rulers. And, and, the kingdom of darkness has a ruler. Uh, scripture is very clear about this. Ephesians chapter two, verse two, calls him the power, uh, the prince of the power of the air. Shorter title, the evil one in First John, and the ruler of this world in in John chapter twelve, and John chapter fourteen, and John chapter sixteen. Uh, he, so we have this this one, that, and when it says. I'm saying the kingdom of, of, of darkness. I'm not referring to something that is completely on its own because Christ is sovereign over the whole thing. Don't forget that, okay? But in the midst of that, and for the season of, of time that we are in, as man has, has chosen to ignore God and pursue other things, Satan has a, an attachment still. And he's, he's got the kingdom of darkness and he that's who he is. He's the ruler of it. And... There is a ruler for the kingdom of light. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we have this battle between light and darkness. And if we read the Scriptures through, we realize that the battle is already won in the sense of long term. You can, you know, it's, it's one of those things where... Uh, some people say Christians are, are very uh, pessimistic because they see this end times coming and, 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 and things getting worse and worse and worse. And in a sense, that is kind of a pessimistic look at things uh, because you see the, the worst yet ahead. And yet we're optimistic because we see the end beyond that where Jesus Christ is, is glorified. Every knee bows, every tongue confesses that He is the Lord, and, and we realize that it's all heading towards that point. And so, we're pessimistic optimists. And we realize that we live in a world that is fallen. So as a result, we live in this world. Clearly, the Scripture deals, as we deal with it in Scripture, and, and as we follow after Jesus Christ, we find out we're in this world, but not of it. And that's a, a paraphrase of a few verses uh, out of chapter 17 of John. 
But the idea is, is that you know the world is just not going to receive the, uh, Christ and his teachings and his people. Don't be surprised, Jesus told his disciples, if you're persecuted. They've persecuted all the prophets. They've persecuted me. In fact, he goes on to that evening to share with them what's going to happen to him. And, and he says, so don't be surprised. If you believe in me, the world's not going to receive you. And when it says that, it's a general statement. There is a, a, the world as a whole is not going to receive you. I, I, the, the doesn't mean there's individuals in the world, but once that happens, the, the individuals that are normally going to receive you are people that have been called out of the world and into the kingdom of God. In fact, uh, there's a, a destiny, uh, if you will, there's a, a final outcome of these two kingdoms. If you read it in Matthew chapter 25, where you have the, the sheep and the goats, the goats are separated away from the sheep and cast into hell. They're the people who have rejected Christ. The sheep are gathered to Christ and, and, and have eternal life in His kingdom. So, there's this, this two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. There's a battle going on for it. And Peter tells us that there are those who are people who have been called out of the unbeliever side, out of the darkness, into the light. We all start in the kingdom of darkness. There isn't one person in this room that didn't start there. Ephesians tells us we all fell into that category of, of people who were away from God, that were not near God. Romans even makes it more clear. We have the Roman road. Most of it is on the back of the bulletin uh, right now. And, and uh, you have, uh, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a verse before that in chapter 3 that says that there are none righteous. Verse 10, none righteous. No, not one. What are the wages of sin? Death. Spiritual, physical death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we find out that as we're going through this, that it says that God showed His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so He opens our eyes to cause us to see. Peter says He calls us out. And when that happens, verses 9 and 10 of chapter, or verses 9 and 10 of chapter 10 of Romans become what happens. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead and as a result, we are saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then we can go on back to, to chapter 5, verse 1, that tells us we're justified before the throne of God. Or chapter 8, verse 1, that tells us there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are called out of the world, Peter says. And John chapter 3 calls it another way of looking at it. We called out, Jesus says, we are born again. Not of the things of the world and of the flesh, but of the Spirit. Something happens. As we confess 
with our mouth as we believe in our heart, as God moves in us and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes to His Word and we're beginning to realize God is who He says He is. Christ is indeed the light of the world. There becomes a sense of peace with God because you know He has indeed showed His love for us. He has indeed forgiven us of our sins. And as a result, we have eternal life with Him. And we can rest that we are at peace with God. No condemnation. The rest of the promises of Romans chapter 8, I just focus on that one alone, include that we are the children of God. We are heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. All of this is a reflection. All the people who are called out into, and called into the light, out of the darkness. Again, every one of us starts in the darkness. We're called out of the, of the darkness into the light. Every one of us now have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ that puts us in the church. That is how you become a part of the church of God. The church of Christ. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that He is, in the, Son of, he is the Son of God. And when John uh, uh, puts those things together, or Romans puts those things together like Paul does, and, and other places, what they're referring to is all of that that, Christ is, that has been revealed to us of Christ. When, he, when we accept who He is, the One who was in the beginning with God, was God, was with God, created all things. When we receive that and believe in our hearts, and accept his, his sacrifice for us, we are now at peace with God. Children of God. Joint heirs with Jesus. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. In the world, not of it. Now, Levi, a couple of times at least, while you were preaching, you used uh, uh, an example that I had not heard before, and that was that uh, church, the church is the exhibit A of what God is doing in the, in, the, in, the, in the world. Did I get that right? Okay, I want to make sure I had it on, on track and on right. Okay, the church is exhibit A of what God is doing. Have you ever really thought... Now, Levi had a lot to say about that. I want to just reinforce that. Is, you know, how it works. Again, is that those who are called out, we are the church, we are called to live for Christ in such a way that other people look at the way we are and they say, oh, look, there are Christians. There will be times where people will say, possibly, like the, the, the Sanhedrin did with Peter and John, and say, oh, they look. They sound like they've been with Jesus. They they, they thought that was a negative thing, and what an I, I, that wouldn't be a bad epitaph. Epitaph, you know, he was with Jesus while he was walked the earth. He was with Jesus. Now uh, we are to be identified by who we are, and and Paul or John makes it really clear that the number one identification will be the way we love each other. Jesus says it in, in, in that time that He was uh, speaking after his, the dinner that He had with the apostles on the last night before He was crucified. And, and He said that that, 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 that picture of, of uh, uh, 
how if 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 you love me you will you know and 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 you will love each other and the world's going to recognize that your love is really of Christ is, is that kind of love by the way you treat each other and uh, i've shared more than once with you i've 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 been in a public place where i've heard people talking about their church or their pastor or or someone else is in another church or something like that and just just letting loose with it with another person and they're just uh, getting into it and talking and right in a public place. Well, if you're, not, if you're not a believer and you hear something like that, that's not very, it doesn't leave a very positive impression. Why would anybody want to be a part of that? How you talk about each other when the other person's not there type of thing. You know we are Christians by our love. Romans 12 says that this begins to happen because we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to be transformed. Not conformed to the things of the world, but to be transformed, completely changed. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says to have the mind of Christ. And all of this is accomplished through being in the Word of God. In fellowship with each other. Encouraging one another. Coming alongside each other. If what Paul says to Timothy is indeed true, that this is God-breathed, and I believe it is exactly true, then as I read it, it is giving instruction. My biggest problem is is that I read it and I realize that I keep falling short of what it's instructing me to do. But God's got that even figured out for me. He tells me if I would confess my sins, He will restore me. He'll keep me in His favor. He, he, He... I, I, if I sin, I don't have to worry about walking in and out of myself. Can you imagine what that is like if you have a line of, uh, that you're walking on? Oops, I, I, I sinned. I'm out of salvation. Oops. Oh, now I'm in salvation. I confess. I've had people say, you know, if, if you're on a plane and it crashes and you haven't got all your sins confessed, you're just out of luck. That's not the God I know. It's not the God the Scripture speaks about. But we do realize we're not perfect. We're in a process of being transformed. It's a thing that is going on with us. We can't use that as an excuse and just turn around, well, God saved me so I don't have to worry about it and just sit back on my haunches and be the same old person I was. I'm not sure the Holy Spirit is in you if that's happening with you because the reality is that that's not a response that would happen if the Holy Spirit is in you. If the Holy Spirit is in you, there's going to be a recognition of, of sin and to be one who's learning to hate sin and love God. And there's a, it's a changing of the way you think. Not just a, 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 a change, it's transformation. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes in and brings this about. And so I, I put in my notes here, if there's no Holy Spirit, then there's no transformation. There is no salvation. There, there is no kingdom of light. There is no heaven for you. If the Holy Spirit's not there, it's not going to happen. You need to confess 
with your mouth, believe in your heart, receiving Christ, and allow the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to have His way with you. New mind, new way of thinking. The foundation for our Christian faith is that there is some absolutes. There are some constants. There are things that are fixed and unchanging. The Word of God is part of that. God is unchanging. You know, that picture. And, and so there are truths to live like. Enough so that we come to uh, a, a, a theme that came out of the Reformation that you know, says Scripture alone. This is, this is the only source of truth to start with. Scripture alone. Grace alone. You are, you are saved by grace and by no other way. There is nothing else that can save you other than the grace of God. You cannot bring anything to the table that's going to fix your sin problem. There is absolutely nothing you bring. It is the grace. Even the faith that God puts in us. And so it's, it's by faith alone that we receive the grace alone. Through Christ alone. No other source. Giving the glory to God alone. We are the children of God. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are now part of the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. We are in the world, but we are not of it. Why are we in the world? Why does God leave us here? To be a part of His system to bring others to Him. Again, exhibit A, the church, to show the world that there is a God, a God who loves us and who has offered and brought salvation into the world. We are to shine in the darkness. Jesus Christ is the light. As the church, we are the body of Christ. Therefore, conclusion for that is that we are the light in the world. It's exactly what Jesus tells us that we'll get into when we get back into Matthew and on the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he says, you are the light of the world. Not you reflect the light of the world or you tell about the light of the world. You are the light of the world. If the Holy Spirit is in you, God in you, the, the, the work of God transforming you, you are reflecting bringing forth the light of God in you. You are the light of the world. You are exhibit A, as Levi put it. There's a song, uh, The Proof of Your Love, uh, by the, the group Crave. I don't know how many of you stay up on contemporary music, but one of the, the, the uh, phrases or a part of the uh, verse in it, let my life be the proof the proof of your love. In other words, let my life be the proof of your love to someone. Well, how is that going to happen without the Holy Spirit in us working in us and, and revealing what God is doing in us? As I was going through uh, uh, some things this, this last uh, few weeks, one of the things I was uh, re-reading was some things by A.W. Tozer I, I, I even still had it in my notes to, to you know, I, I have the quote here and it says, 
to read or not to read. Because <laughs> it's really harsh. And then I thought, wait a minute. It made me bleed. So I figured I could share it and make, make you all uh, you know, cringe a little bit for a moment too. Tozer had the following to say about the Protestant churches of his day that he knew. May it never be said of the church of God among us. <laughs> so now you get pretty clear that this is going to be a strong statement. The amount of, this is what Tozer wrote, and you've got to remember he wrote this in the uh, 40s and 50s, somewhere along in there. The amount of loafing practiced by the average Christian in spiritual things would ruin a concert pianist if he allowed himself to do the same thing in the field of music. The idle puttering around that we see in church circles uh, in church circles would end the career of a big league picture in one week. No scientist could solve his exacting problem if he took as little interest in it as the rank and file of Christians take in the art of being holy. The nation whose soldiers were as soft as undisciplined and undisciplined as the soldiers of the churches would be conquered by the first enemy that attacked it. Triumphs are not won by men in easy chairs. Success is costly. That's really harsh. <laughs> you know, uh, but I, and, and somebody say, well, you're a pastor, you're in the Word all the time, that couldn't apply. You know, no, it applies to everybody because there's a tendency to get complacent where you are. You've learned all this, and maybe maybe I know more than some of you might know about some things. You might know more about other things than I know about, but the bottom line is, is that you turn around, and every now and then you see that person that, that really is a scholar of the Word, and, and you look at that, and, and you say, I could never be anything like that, you know. Uh, and, and, but I, I, I'm pretty good. I understand this much, and I'm content. And I realize it's something that I even shared with, with the, the elders this last week, was the idea of, of kind of looking back and at what has been accomplished and resting with that. And, in fact, it was... Um, I started thinking about it in different ways, but the good old days, I, I, I commented, I was talking with someone that I had been in church with uh, 30 years ago, and... Uh, we were talking about uh, things past, and we were saying, can you remember? And we started talking about at a point in time in church where things were growing and in and, and, and this particular congregation that we were both in, and, and, and everything was, was, was exciting, and every, you, know, you couldn't wait to get to church to see what exciting things were going to happen. He says, don't you just long for those good old days. And I found myself, after we were done talking, actually longing for the good old days in that sense. And I thought, wait a minute. And, and, and I don't know how, you know, that's, 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 that's not good. And then I, I know Bruce Springsteen is not a man of, of, uh, of preacher. Or I don't even know if he's a man of faith. But I, I do confess, I listened to some oldie music. And, and it was uh, on my Pandora, just one of those random songs that came up. And it was The Glory Days. And I don't know if you know the song, and I'm not asking you to go listen to it. But it was very clear in the first couple of verses he's talking about his high school days and, and, and stuff and how they get around. We talked about the glory days. And then he says, well, I'm going to go down to the bar tonight. That's not quite how he put it. But I'm going to go down to the bar tonight and drink my fill. And, and I hope 
that uh, I don't talk about my glory days, but I probably will. And and the end result was, and, and he says, you know, it goes back and talks about, you know, we just end up talking about our glory days. And we relish the past. And I realized, I don't want the glory days. I want what God's got next. I want what God has got ahead. I want to grow in Christ. I don't want to get stagnant in Christ. So when I read this thing about from Tozer, it was just as convicting to me, even though I, I'm a person who frequently gets into the Word and frequently, you know, this type of thing. It didn't matter. It was, you know, are you resting on what has been or are you looking to work towards what can be? And so I wanted to bring this into this context. If we're all the church, we've been called out of the world, we are drawn from the, the, the darkness into the light, what kind of effect is the light having on us? Is it a dim light or a bright light? Is it, is it a light that's getting so bright that it has to come out of you? It's kind of like the idea of, of the water being filled with the water of God. He says it will gush from you. Uh, and I'm, I'm sometimes thinking, when's the last time the water has gushed from me? We have a, a, a purpose that God has given us, to glorify God, to enjoy Him. In fact, we have it up here now, proclaiming, embodying, and enjoying the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our purpose. This is why the, God has put us here as the church, the light of the world, you know, to do this, to, to proclaim to the world, to in, embody, to, to develop, to transform into the likeness, and to enjoy. And I, I, even that word... Are, are you enjoying your walk with God? Is it something that brings you delight? Do you look forward to the things that you do with the kingdom of God and, and, the, and the church and the family of God? We did visit a church while we were gone. And I think most of the people who were at church because it's, uh, it's, it's a social place for them to, commu- to, 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 to meet each other. And because they were primarily, almost all of them, elderly people, I mean, Kathy and I were the youngsters. In fact, we were invited to join the youth group. Um, uh, but after listening and talking and stuff, most of the people were there because it's, it's one of the few social things they have left that they can do. And I thought, this is my age group. Now, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be complacent. I want to be excited about Christ. I want to be enjoying Christ. I want to be proclaiming Christ. So I wrote here for myself, while I am in this earthly tent, I, did, I had three funeral services over my sabbatical uh, that I did, and one of the things I frequently comment on is the reality of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are in these earthly tents. They're temporary. They, they, they get tired. They get fatigued. They get diseased. All of that because we're in a fallen world that, that represents some of uh, what happens when darkness invades, you know, and, 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 and we're still stuck in part of that through this earthly body. And, and so it says, while I'm in this earthly tent, I'm waiting for God's call home. I realize that my words, my thoughts, my deeds need to be committed to proclaiming, embodying, and enjoying. They need to be committed to well, let's just put it the way Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 puts it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you're doing. 
We're going to be getting back into starting Matthew chapter uh, 5 and the the Sermon on the Mount. That is a powerful, powerful point of reference for the church in the sense that it is frequently called by by many the Christian manifesto, a a basic outline of, of, of the way we are to be transforming, to be changing, to becoming. Uh, what God wants us to be. Jesus Christ is our head, our cornerstone, our Savior. We're at this place through His work, His grace, His sacrifice. All of this is, is in the sense of resting in peace with God and in His salvation. is possible because of His words on the cross, it is finished. Not because I did anything, but because of what He has done. On the cross, it is finished. I have paid in full. And now, at a point in time in history, He says, Bob, I've called you out of the world, what Peter says. Called you out to make you a part of this. And He's invited me in to participate in the kingdom work. of His, Not just from the pulpit. You realize all of us are invited to participate in the kingdom work. Isn't that an amazing thing? He uses us to, to bring about something he already knows about in, in, his, in his great plan of things, something he's known about before the foundation of the world. He uses us to bring it about so that we're all a part of it in such an intricate way that we realize who he is, what an awesome God he is, what he's done for us, and, 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 and that we start to feel the same joy he feels when we see his work accomplished. Jesus said in absolute authority, it is finished. It is done. It is paid in full. Through the work of Christ, we're called into His kingdom. We are empowered by His Holy Spirit to take the gospel truth, to proclaim it, to embody it, to enjoy it. Until he comes again. Or until he calls us home. And I just want to encourage you. This is what God wants in all of us. And I, I, I've had some time, like I said, to think about these things and realize, you know, there's, there, I, 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 there's still more to have. I, 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 I can look at it in one way and say, I've only been a Christian you know, since 1976, some of you have been Christians longer than that. And, and so, you know, but, and, and we can turn around and say, uh, oh, well, you know, I've done my share. I've done my part. But I'm just going to suggest to you that God has never done, as long as we have breath, as long as we have the ability to think and to reason, He is not done with us yet. And we are still a part of His work. We are still a part of the kingdom of God. We are still His light in the world. And He is going to use us if we will just simply say, Lord, here I am. Or put it Isaiah's way. Well, you can send me. So pray that the Lord would touch our lips, touch our hearts with the coal from the altar and, and cleanse us and, and, and move us all towards being excited about who he is in our lives and that he has made us a part of his family and his kingdom. As we share in communion, 
perfect time to reflect on all of this. Uh, I'd ask that you would uh, hold the emblems until we've all been served, and we will share together. Well, they were actually turning the world right side up. 
but I'm not so sure that's really an accurate picture as much as the reality is that they were simply bringing the truth, the light, and the light's shining in the darkness, and the darkness is looking at it saying that's the opposite of everything they, we want. They're turning our world upside down. In order to, if I do what they say, I have to change. I have to, to be different. I, I, you know, they, they've got this code of ethics and, and this God that they say is the only way to go. And they're turning the world upside down. And they were doing this because they realized they'd been called to be the light of the world. They'd been called out of the darkness into the light. And they were resting in the reality that the words of Jesus Christ on the cross, it is finished, were real. Think of Peter. Persecuted the church. He got called out. <laughs> and uh, Paul, excuse me, persecuted the church. He got called out. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Peter who, who, who rejected Christ. All of these different things that, you know, and as they realized this, who they are in Christ, as they're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in them, they realized that their call was to proclaim Christ, to embody Christ, to enjoy Christ in such a way that the rest of the world would see us. And so I would, I would just say, you know, as we go to a communion today, that that would be our prayer, that that would be us too. Father, we come to you today to rest with confidence in what you've done. First, Lord, as we take communion, we're acknowledging you've come in the flesh, you died on the cross, you poured your blood out to purchase the kingdom of God for us, the new covenant for us, the covenant of grace and, and, and forgiveness. Thank you. And as we share these this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your kingdom in such a way that you would cause us to, to regain even more the excitement, the enjoyment and the, as, we, as we pursue you and as we rest in you and as we worship you, as we wait in your word. As we, as we pray, all of these things would become even more in the sense of, of as, as, as resting in you and, and knowing you. We thank you in Jesus' name. At the time that the, Jesus shared in the meal, that he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and passed it out to the disciples, and he simply made a statement. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. The end of the meal, taking the cup, he said, this is my blood poured out for you to purchase the covenant. So often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Father, again, we thank you for these symbols of your grace. We ask, Lord, that you would use them to remind us how awesome your mercy and your grace is but also in reality of what it costs you. And as a result, what we will never pay because you have. Thank you for your mercy, your love, your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close? <coughs>
We have some refreshments in the back if you have time to visit for a little while. And again, Lord bless you and thank you for being here this morning.
One other thing I wanted to say in closing, uh, this is a big week for Levi. I don't know how many of you realize that uh, this Sunday he, he graduates from seminary. Now, do you have anything you still have to finish work-wise? You're done. This, well, this week. This week, but I mean, he's got papers due or stuff that you haven't finished yet that we need to work. Done? Wow. Woo. <laughs> so, uh, I just wanted to let you know because uh, uh, not only myself, but a couple other people, we, we want to show our support for him. And so, we're going to be at his graduation. So we will have someone else in the pulpit again Sunday. It's not because I'm trying to play hooky or that I've gotten used to it, but I just wanted you to know that we are going to support Levi, and it's just uh, it's excitement to me. I've been able to be, most of the kids that have graduated from Bible college and stuff, have been able to go to their graduations even at a distance, and it's such a blessing to me to see it. So uh, I uh, thank you for that permission in advance, and uh, uh, just uh, be praying for all of the graduations this week. There's lots of them, lots of people traveling. We'll be traveling then down to uh, Vallejo and, and uh, to, to be a part of that. So, uh, again, Lord bless you. Thank you for being here. Go have some refreshments.